0: Today, we've got Kent Kiersey, founder, CEO of Invoke AI. You guys will love this conversation. I've had a lot of fun doing this one.
1: The Unified Canvas is one of the features that makes Invoke AI
0: capable of supporting an end-to-end workflow for realizing your creative vision. So how much of your time is spent like directly interfacing with like the Invoke community versus doing like executive management like business stuff. Yeah, I mean I so I make the joke to to some people that it's it's like working
1: two jobs because I and, and maybe this is just like on me, but I spend a lot of time in Discord. It, it's kind of absurd. Um but it, it's it's where the community happens, it's where you feel like the closest to The cutting edge of what's what's happening in the space. Um, I learn a lot from our users. I learn a lot from the developers that are working in the ecosystem. Um, Frankly, like all of the AI news that you know, there's some cool new paper that just got released and some new capability that has been uncovered and released in open source. All of that is I'm discovering that in our Discord, not on some like AI newsletter or anywhere. It's like someone's like, Hey, I just saw this. Here's the paper. Um, there's a, there's kind of a meme in the, uh, ML community of like, hold on to your papers and, and it's like, oh my God, this is some cool stuff. Right. And we have an entire channel dedicated to that where people can just drop in whatever cool new paper, uh, or new model gets, gets released. And it's a constant stream of insight. So, uh, I spend a lot of my time there and. You know, recently, we brought on a, a community manager slash OSS product manager, kind of a hybrid role, they help to interface with the, the devs who are contributing their time, making sure that we have a clear roadmap and where people want to raise their hand and, and say, you know, hey, I want to take on that task or that enhancement. Um, we have a really, really uh, strong community that is forming around our open source project. And that is what we end up using in our commercial project. It's, it's, we're, we're a downstream consumer of our own work in the open source space. And a lot of times we're working like half of our roadmap is in open source and, you know, we're making that uh, publicly available with an Apache two license. So we spend a lot of time with the community. And so it's incredibly important to be where the community is. And for us,
0: uh, it's on discord. (laughs) (laughs) That's sick. Yeah. I have so many questions like, um, But I'll save them for later. Like most of my questions are like, you know, why is Discord so popular? Uh, Yeah, I've got I've got theories, but, you know, we we can dig in wherever you want to (laughs) dig. Okay, sweet. No, I feel like the audience should hear like how invoke like emerged as an idea and as a concept, you know, Um, like walk us through the founding journey and your background. I am a product person.
1: You know, my background is mostly in product management. I did some technology consulting at, at Ernst & Young out of school, um, but most of my career's been in product management in various startups. You were a management consultant. Uh, well, yeah, technology, uh, IT, risk management, uh, we did everything from like cybersecurity <laughs> to SOC audits, uh, controls, like IT control stuff. It's it's why I know enterprise so well is because I live I lived that uh very deeply um but i did that for 3 or 4 years and right. then uh I, I worked at a software company when i was in college and uh left to go join uh a new martech startup in atlanta and that just started my career bouncing around the atlanta startup scene uh I did, i've done b2b uh b2c b2b to c i did like a two sided marketplace i mean I, I feel like i've done every industry uh known to man um
0: <laughs>
1: so all that to say, like, I'm a, I'm a generalist product person. I am, I'm more technical maybe than the average product person, but I'm, I don't have like an engineering background. Um, I just am nerdy. I played a lot of computer games as a kid. Totally. You know, Dolly to mid journey, they were out 2022. Everyone's getting into the image generation, generative AI is like on the cusp of being hot. It's not quite there yet, but if you're, if you know, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm playing around with the GPT three API in the playground, uh, chat GPT hasn't come out yet, but there's, there's a lot of cool stuff going on August 22nd, uh, model drops called stable diffusion. Right. And this is like the, the watershed moment of image generation AI. There's a lot of really cool research being done and I see, a post on Hacker News talking about stable diffusion. I was like, I got a good computer. I want to run this on my computer. I want to find something. Right? So I start, you know, perusing the list of, of, repos that'll run it. And one of them is by a, it was created by a, uh, cancer researcher, uh, works at the Ontario Institute of Cancer Research. It's by his name, uh, Lincoln Stein, world renowned, like cancer, uh, researcher does machine learning on like the human genome. Like, it's like, he's a brilliant. He created this little tiny CLI uh, that lets you use Staple the Future on your computer. And I was just like, hell yeah, let's get this installed. Install it, start playing around with it. And that was really my first exposure to contributing to open source. I'd always, you know, played around with the, the open source. ecosystem was very aware of it. Um, but that was like the first time I really got hands on. And, you know, I wanted to, to play around with, adding um features and all that kind of stuff i very quickly realized where i could add more value to the project was just the product side the ui ux building the community making sure that people knew about us and so uh september came around we had started getting popular uh you know lincoln says lincolnstein's repo is probably not the best name for a popular stable diffusion repo what should we name it and i was like how about invoke and so we Uh, we released that and, uh, rename and then launch the discord server and all that kind of stuff. And it just kind of takes off because we had a very UI UX focus on the experience and, you know, we were, we were approaching things a little bit differently in a much more, um, maybe sane engineering architecture approach. And, uh, in, in a lot of ways, I think we cared more about the artists and the creatives who are going to end up using this tool. We saw this as like, you know, AI is coming. There should be open tools out there that make it accessible to use. Um, and so for all those reasons, um, you know, we kind of continued to grow. And then it was in January, we started getting inbound from various companies that were interested in using the tool, for like a professional sense. Uh, the, the big companies started reaching out. So, you know, we had chip makers. We had the AI companies. All of them were kind of interested in, Hey, are you guys interested in partnering? Some of them tried to hire us. And that was the moment for me where I said, I think we're on to something. I think this is like, there's a way to make this a business. All right. Open source businesses are hard, right. but I know the playbook enough. There's There's been a lot of open source businesses in the past. and Most of them are not application layer, just to be clear. But there was a way to make this successful and do good uh, in, in, in kind of conjunction with that. So founded the company, uh, raised a pre-seed, uh, started hiring, sprinting, raised our seed rounds, uh, and then um, you know, we're, we're piloting with some of the biggest companies in the world right now using our tool uh, to power their, their team's uh, generative AI kind of creative um, approach. That's sick. How big is the team right now? We're at, we're at nine right now. Um, so we have grown from just, just me to nine. That's not including obviously our, um, open source community. And I think that's, I think it's important to call out how critical the open source ecosystem is to what we do. Lincoln, who I mentioned created the, the repo originally is an advisor to the business and still an active maintainer. We've got another maintainer who's in the games industry and actively contributing. And we have a ton of people who help make the product better every day, whether it's through feedback or translations. Um, we've had, I think over 18 languages added to our translations and that's all coming from the community. Um, we have a, we have a very engaged community of open source contributors and they're critical to, to making what we do successful.
0: That's amazing. So if you were to measure like, like the, let's say contribution to the product of like the internal team versus the like open source community. Is it about like 50, 50, like balanced right now? It's hard. It's hard to compare. Um, yeah. I would say we're doing the, the way that we think
1: about it in abstract, and extracting it there, there are multiple layers that can be contributed to, right. We like to think of ourselves as being very much responsible for the core, uh, engine that runs everything. A lot of the like architectural decisions for how things are going to work are made by us. Uh, we opened up, we, we did a re architecture, which made our backend very modular. We have kind of like, a, a graph based workflow builder for diffusion pipelines. Uh, and what that means is we gave contributors the opportunity to add their own nodes, which are essentially just one like foundational building block in that graph. And so we have an entire community of people contributing just one function in that backend, but we've made it very modular, very easy for people to plug those in and that, that is a, its own kind of like wild ecosystem where people are throwing in all kinds of things. Like there's, there's somebody who created a a node that uses a local large language model to generate nightmare prompts. It's just like nonsense prompts that create weird images. But there's like an entire group of people who enjoy using that node. And so people are like downloading that and installing it and having fun with it. So that type of community contribution, it's hard to measure because it's just like, it's, there's so much of it, um, to the core engine, to the core UI UX, I would say we're, we're probably doing the majority of it. We get some help, uh, here and there, but where it's interesting is the community contributes in ways that are hard to measure from like a commit or pull request perspective, because you have all of these really, really smart uh, machine learning researchers, whether they're like in official capacity, a machine learning researcher, or they're just kind of like this hacker machine learning mad scientist who's playing around with this stuff. You have all these people throwing ideas into the Discord channel and saying, well, why are you doing it that way? There might be a security vulnerability. And maybe we should do the queue this way. Here's this research approach that could be better than the way we're doing it now. And and what's magic about that is that's an extremely valuable perspective to have, right? Uh, it just like it gives you more of that diversity in uh, approaching problems, and it also just shows how uh, the community sees this as something. Th- they use the word "we," right? we are building this and i think that's like incredibly important to foster is a respect for the fact that we are building this together and this is a project that we are are building and and it's hard balance to strike with an open source project because you really have to make sure that from the very outset you draw the lines when you have a commercial side of the business you draw the lines and say this is how we're going to approach this Right. Because otherwise, you know, you know, you set expectations wrong and then you violate those expectations and the community shatters. We don't want that. We want this community to thrive and we want to honor that commitment to what we're building together. And so we have a very, you know, uh, structured way of looking at what is open source versus what are we trying to do on the commercial side? Who are we trying to serve and what is the commercial business aiming to do?
0: Yeah. Um, But the, the, the community I think has responded really well to that. That's so interesting. I mean, you know, some, this question might be sensitive, so just feel free to tell me if that's the case, but how do you think about the, the commercialization opportunity, like just in general, and how do you, how do you balance that with trying to, you know, provide wins for the community? Like, are you trying to commercialize large companies mainly, and then sort of there's a free tier and everybody can use it to the extent that they want? Yeah, I think the way that we think about it, part, part of it is strategy, right? Is, is how do we
1: strategically, how are we strategically advantaged by being a main contributor to this repo and being kind of the the shepherd or steward of it, right? And how do we build a commercial product that takes advantage of that position? We are focused largely on the multi-user. Uh, ecosystem, right? So the way that we see our, our responsibility is making sure that the open source studio, thats kind of what we call the community edition of our product is like the studio piece central generative AI that that is always kept up to date with the cutting edge of generative like research, right? Because that research is happening in open source. If it's getting contributed by open source contributors, it's because they want to see that functionality in their tool when they use it on their computer. From our perspective, that's the purpose of the open source repo is to be everything that an artist needs to compete in this world where AI is taking over everything. We, we see ourselves as very responsible for creating high quality, good software for society, for people, right? And. That, that relationship there is symbiotic, right? We, we benefit from them using the product. We benefit from their feedback. We benefit from their help in building it and making it a better tool. But where we, where we as a business are focused, are really taking that experience and making it work well at an enterprise scale. So we take that, that tool. When you talk to an enterprise, they don't want to install a local, like install on 5,000 computers and manage that and try to figure out how to do user management. They don't don't want to do all that, right? They need SSO. They need like, they need sane, um, kind of controls in place around this stuff. And at an enterprise scale, they're also looking at compliance, right? And so there's a lot of compliance things that have to be taken into consideration. We can build all of that. Our OSS users don't want those features. They don't care about those features. It doesn't matter to them. So the fact that we're putting that in an enterprise version is kind of like irrelevant, but it's extremely valuable and helps us deliver that enterprise experience. Um, and that, that's kind of how we view our position is, is really making enterprises successful with this technology as a technology partner. And, you know, I think brought, this is like a commentary broadly on how AI is developing, but I'm very much in the camp of open source AI being where most businesses go. I, I don't think where, where AI is going, which is a core enabler of most businesses. It's not something that's just like a side project or some like, you know, uh, skunk works thing that somebody's going to hack on and doesn't matter. It's like this is core. If you're investing in AI and it is on every executive's agenda to like figure out AI, you're asking very fundamental questions of, What does our business look like in five to 10 years? and how does technology enable that? And how is AI a key part of that strategy? Almost every single executive, if you ask them, would you rather be investing very heavily into a model ecosystem that you do not own or do not have control over? Or would you rather be investing in something that you actually have the ability to control? You have, you know, uh vendor optionality. You have a way to take this and make it specialized to your business. You know, which of those worlds do you prefer? The latter for a bite, like 95%, right? And that is enabled by open source AI. That is enabled by the ability to take a model and fine-tune it on your business. I think Wama 2 is a great example of like cutting-edge research that is now able to really drive a lot of business value, but there are a lot of businesses to be built in helping businesses take advantage of that ecosystem. And that's kind of where we see ourselves. We're not tied to any one model. We are that creative suite that any business who needs this type of
0: high production value tooling, we can be a player for them. I have a lot of respect for trying to like, I mean, you guys are threading the needle between like having a product that has sufficient I don't know I don't know if like I'm even thinking about this right but sufficient like defensibility to be able to be commercialized like sufficient levels of being unique that sort of thing um but then also like having a vibrant community and leveraging the power of having awesome and dedicated supporters um that's difficult to balance yeah Yeah. you know and and yeah from what I see it looks like it's going like super well it is <laughs> so far so far so good i mean we're nah, we're only a year into this revolution we got we got a lot more to go no dude that's sick that's that's amazing progress last question like how does it feel to be building this company in atlanta uh do you feel supported by your community because this is sort of like like it's like frontier tech you know and atlanta is built on you know sort of martech email tech you yeah, know fin- fintech you know yeah the the not not really
1: like uh not really known for this, this type of yeah. of stuff. Yeah. You know, it's funny when, when we were raising money, there was, there's actually one, uh, one VC who we got intro or we were going to get intro to. And they asked the question, where is the founder located? And <laughs> the answer was Atlanta and they're like,
0: nah,
1: <laughs> we're good. Right. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, I think this is, I think it's, it's, it's a stupid, it's a stupid response, honestly. Like, I think there's a lot of, um, there's, there's a ton of value being in the Bay area. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like dog on that, Yeah, but I, I don't think what's happening right now in AI is happening in the Bay area. It is happening everywhere. It is happening globally, and open source research is not ha- coming out of Silicon Valley. It is coming ra- from around the world, and you've got these people who are um, creative hackers that are just like you know in random places. Like one of one of the guys that um, was one of the first contributors to our app in the open source ecosystem built really like the, the core front end. He built a full React TypeScript app. Uh, he's in Australia and when we like formally started the commercial endeavor uh he was like the, the first to raise his hand and say hey look I will leave my job yesterday I want to work on this full-time and you know you're making a decision as like founder based in Atlanta to to, to say okay this this guy in Australia with time zones are insane different is that the company we build and the answer for me was absolutely because I've seen what this guy can do. And there's this myth, or at least people think it's a myth of the 10X engineer, right? That's like, oh, it's, it's a myth. They don't actually exist. But I saw the passion that he had and how engaged he was. And that is what matters, right? Is you care about a product so much that you want to put yourself in it, right? You care to invest yourself in building that product. And that was what he had in spades, right? And so I was like, I don't care where you are, I want you to be on this team, right? And that's the type of, I think it's the type of approach you need to take when you're hiring as a remote founder. You need to be focused on finding the best people regardless of where they are. I know that there's this whole like return to office thing going on where everyone's trying to get back. There's something that's like, very important about being in person and I am a whiteboard addict. And so if I were in an office, I'd be at a whiteboard really talking to people all day. That's just like my happy place. Yeah. So being remote is very difficult for me, but location is not, it's, it's not as important as it once was. And in, in the context of this type of product and an OSS ecosystem, location is completely irrelevant. Um, you, you asked earlier, like, discord, like how, how important is that to you and and where you spend your time. That is my office in some sense for the OSS community. That's where all of the stuff is happening. So really location is completely irrelevant for that because we are, we're all just like avatars and in a chat box. Right. (laughs) Um, and I, I think it's, it's, it's magical being
0: able to, to work with as many people from around the world as we get to. Yeah. That's amazing. No, I totally agree with the remote sort of first i mean our company's remote there is like so actually we threw an event on wednesday and so we like had a bunch of people come and there was just a conference in nashville so we had a chance to reconnect with some folks and i honestly grabbing drinks with people that you work with and people that you know that's super fun and so i'm like damn i miss doing this like more often but it is nice to like you know it's nice to like you said like I mean, our head of like the whole technology org is in Brazil, like product and engineering. So, you know, it's fine. Like you see them every now and then and it's good, you know? Um, so that's cool, man. I mean, what an awesome product, what an awesome journey. I know you guys are just getting started. So, you know, you should come back anytime you guys have a release or a launch you want to celebrate. I'm sure that network would love to hear from you. Um, where can people find you and, and invoke? Uh, people can find us on,
1: uh, GitHub and our website, our website's invoke.ai. If you Google invoke AI, we're like either GitHub or our website are the first like thousand, um, results. So you can find us pretty easily. Uh, our discord, uh, is pretty easily discoverable as well and linked to from our GitHub and yeah, I mean, we're we're a passionate group of people who like playing with, uh, the latest and greatest in AI image generation. If you're interested in that, uh, feel free to join us. We have a lot of fun. Um, you are welcome to come and
0: contribute or just use the tool and, uh, explore the wild world of AI with us. Yeah. Go, go check out their discord. Y'all go sign up for their product. Uh, thanks Ken. Appreciate yeah. you. Thanks. Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening to the Frontier podcast powered by Gun.io. Be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice and come hang out with us again next week and bring all your internet friends. If you have questions or recommendations, just shoot us a Twitter DM at the Frontier pod and we'll see you next week.